Well, we're glad to have the Witchers here with us. Um, Dan was a pastor here a long time ago. I think he said in ABF, we've been partnering with you for 43 years. Um, not just here as a pastor, but also send, being his sending church to send him out as a missionary and his family. And we're just so grateful that you can be here this morning to minister the word of God. Thank you, Pastor Matt. It's always great to be back home. Our kids grew up here. Our son David was born right here. And uh, this is home for us no matter how far away we've gotten over the years. Thank you so much. Working to coordinate church planting ministries with our Baptist and Missions missionaries all over North America. God moved us in a different direction. And now the last two years in retirement in a different ministry. Your missionaries, Gerald and Julie Hawk, are in a church planting ministry, bilingual church planting ministry in the Houston suburb of Katy, Texas. And in retirement, it's been our joy to be able to locate there and be a part of that ministry and be a help to them and uh, not have to carry the full load, but try to be supporting of them. And so thank you for your partnership, not only with us, but with our daughter Julie and her husband Gerald in their ministry there. And um, thank you for continuing to provide for our support in retirement. That helps us to be able to continue to be involved in the ministry there, and God has been so good. Uh, Peggy is seated over here. I always like to take Peggy with me because I just look so much better when she's standing beside me. And uh, you'll get to chat with her after the service. We have two of our grandsons with us. Uh, David's oldest, uh, their daughter is going to be a freshman at Faith Baptist Bible College uh, this month. And so we came up for uh, the Hawks' daughter's wedding yesterday up in Ankeny. Brenna was married uh, yesterday. And uh, she's got one more year to finish college and her husband will be in seminary and um, so uh, Brittany came up to college uh, Melissa brought uh, her up but there was no room for the boys so we've got David's two sons with us they're traveling with us this week so we're headed back this afternoon headed south we've got to be back in Texas tomorrow uh, night so it's a blessing uh, to be here but thank you so much uh, for your partnership with us. If you open your Bibles this morning, please, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we want to read a good part of this chapter as we look at this this morning. I want to talk about discouragement. Overcoming discouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I have the New King James Version, but it'll be very close to what you have. Follow along with me as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, 
glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we did not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Then skip down with me to verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Pray with me. Father, we open your word today. Thank you for the truth revealed for us. We pray that you'd help us to get a grasp of the truths that are here today and be able to translate them into encouragement in our lives day by day. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and illuminate the scripture to our hearts and minds and help each of us, Lord, wherever we are in our spiritual walk, uh, to be encouraged as we reflect upon the truths you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All of us face times of discouragement. Uh, The word that's used twice here in this chapter, in the first part of the chapter and again at the end, can be translated to faint, to grow weary. It really means to be, uh, to labor to the point of, of exhaustion. So I don't think it's talking so much about physical weariness or physical fainting. I've only fainted twice in my life that I, that I knew about anyway. I uh, had some sort of bad infection once as a teenager and once while we lived here in Mount Pleasant uh, where I, I suppose I was just so dehydrated that all of a sudden my body just collapsed. I, re, I remember I was probably 17 years old, went to the doctor and after the doctor saw me I was standing at the desk there paying my bill the next thing I knew, I was laying on the floor and these nurses were hovered over me. And that was no fun. But fainting physically probably is not as big a problem for us as growing weary morally, being discouraged. Uh, some translations uh, use the term giving up. All of us have been there in some area of our life or another. See if I can keep up uh, with us with the uh, PowerPoint here. Uh, but when we face times of discouragement, whatever the reason may be, we need to come back to God's truth. We need to focus on God's truth. We are troubled, we're perplexed, we're persecuted or cast down. But when we come back to the truth of the gospel, and God's truth revealed to us in Scripture, we do not have to be in despair. We do not have to be destroyed. I want us to work our way through this chapter this morning to see the truths that will help us to be able to overcome discouragement in our life. 
The first thing we see in this chapter is that we have the mercy of God instead of what I deserve. A lot of times discouragement comes when we sort of feel like I really deserve better than this. This is happening to me. It shouldn't be happening. I don't deserve this. People are treating me this way. I deserve better than that. But you know, we come back to a scripture truth about God's mercy and we understand that we deserve nothing. And whatever we have in life, of physical possessions, whatever we have as far as the circumstances of our life, whatever is happening in our life, God's mercy is there and we have so much more than what we deserve. Paul had a ministry that was unique. None of us will be in the same situation Paul was in. Paul was persecuted in ways that we will never experience in our life. But whatever our place in life, whatever God, wherever God has put us, whatever he has given us to do, we need to remember that God's mercy is there. It's because of his mercy that we are able to stand. It's because of his mercy that we have hope in Christ. And we need uh, to come back to that truth. Look at, this, look at this verse. It says, Since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy... We do not lose heart. We don't faint. We come back and say, thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for all that you have. You know, if we're focused on thanking God for the things that he has given us, that discouragement is going to fade. If we're thinking about what should be happening in our life that isn't happening, we may be discouraged. But if we come back and say, God, thank you for your mercy. I'm reminded of Jesus' story in Luke chapter 18, where he says, uh, you know, the, the publican stood and prayed with himself. I, I like that. It seems like his prayer didn't get much farther than where he was. And he was thankful. In his pride, he was thankful that he was not like other people, that he had it better than others, and that he had everything that he thought he deserved. But then it says that the tax collector standing afar off wouldn't even raise up his eyes to heaven. In humility, he was bowed down and, and, and broken. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it's obvious in this story which one God was paying attention to. We need to be humble. We need to, to call on God's mercy and be so thankful for what he has given us. Remember the Bible says in James as well as in 1 Peter, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we don't recognize God's mercy in our life, when pride is there, God is pushing us away. We're wanting his help. We're wanting him to work in our lives. And God is resisting us. But when we come in humility, then we find the grace that we need. The second thing I see here is that we have God's truth instead of our own ideas. Uh, look with me there at verse 2. Uh, we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor hang, handling the word of God deceitfully. In other words, not trying to create our own image, not trying to uh, persuade people with our 
powers of oratory or our persuasion or our ability to debate. But Paul says we've come to minister simply manifesting the truth of God. We live in an unstable world where there is no truth. And you, you will hear people say, well, what you're telling me from the Bible, that's good for you. That's the way you see it. That works for you. But that's not what, what is truth for me. But it's wonderful to be able to share the word of God and say this is truth. We have something that is real. And tolerance seems to be uh, don't try to convince me. It's not enough that we're accepting other people. Um, it seems like people are tolerant of everything but intolerance. And when we say this, this is truth, this is God's truth, truth is absolute, people say, well, no, you're, you're being too narrow-minded. But we have uh, the Word of God, we have His truth. We don't have to convince people. We have scriptures so that we may know that God is true. I love what it says <coughs> here in 1 John, where it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that which was from the beginning. John the Apostle saying, uh, This is firsthand knowledge. This is God's revelation, and we've recorded it so that you may also come to know this truth and come into fellowship with us. We have a word from God. We don't have to depend on our own perspective, our own ideas about things. We have a word from God and we have a truth that we can share. Uh, also in 2 Peter 1, I love this passage about the scripture. We have the prophetic word confirmed that no prophecy is a private interpretation for a prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing it is to have truth that we can depend on and truth that we can share. And of course, this verse, these verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, uh, continue in the things that you have learned, knowing where you learned them. And we, we think, well, Timothy was a disciple of Paul, so he learned from Paul. That's why Paul is saying you should continue in what I taught you. No, but Paul isn't saying continue in the things that I taught you. He's saying, from a child, you've known the Holy Scripture. That's what you need to continue in. That's what you need to depend on. The Scripture that's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Scripture that is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for training in right living, so that the man of God, the child of God, can be perfectly equipped for to be all that God wants him to be and to do all that God wants him to do. Thank God we have the truth. We keep moving then down. Uh, uh, we'll skip over a couple of these and move on down to verse 5. Verse 5 says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, if we look at others, we're going to be disappointed. And we look at ourselves very often discouraged. But if we look at Jesus Christ, we're always encouraged. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. I know there are many ministries that are, many preachers that are preaching themselves, so to speak. But we can always come back to focus 
on Jesus Christ in our lives and keep our eyes on Him. Hebrews chapter 12 says we're to run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. We look to Jesus and we're encouraged. We think about Jesus Christ and our focus on Him. You know, in, in the past, His work on the cross is what gives us security. We see the redemption that He provided and, and our hope in Christ is not just that we hope that it'll work out alright. No, we can anchor our lives to the fact that we're redeemed, that we're children of God if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. So His work on the cross gives us security. And not only do we have that, but we have His promised presence with us that gives us strength. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. To be that comforter, that encourager that's with us day by day. And then when we look toward the future, we have the promise of His return and of being in glory with Him. That gives us stability in our life in a world that's unstable. You know, um, I was reading in uh, Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional one time, and I came across this. I think it was in June. Listen to this. We shall never find comfort or assurance by looking within. But the Holy Spirit turns our eyes away from self, tells us we are nothing, but that Christ is everything. Remember, therefore, it is not your hold on Christ that saves you. It is Christ. Look not so much to your hand with which you are grasping Christ, but look to Christ. We shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. Isn't that precious? And then that devotional ended up by quoting this hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then let's look there in verse 4 through 6. I noticed that when it talks about the light of the gospel and preaching Christ, I, I like what it says. That the God of this world seeks to blind the minds of people who do not believe. Did you see that there in verse 4? Lest the light of the gospel should shine. But look down at verse 6. It says, But the light, the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts. Do you see what's happening? The devil is trying to impede the gospel. The devil is trying to blind hearts and minds spiritually. But the gospel, the light, the truth of Jesus Christ gets through that darkness anyway. And the demonstration of that is you and me who are here today. The gospel has shined in our hearts. It has worked. The gospel will transform lives. All of us 
are works in progress. At least that's the way it is at our house. But I look around me and I try to imagine where I would be if the gospel hadn't come into my life and Jesus Christ hadn't transformed me. Uh, The gospel works. We don't need to be timid about sharing the message of Christ with others because it will work. Look at this in Galatians chapter 1. That Christ delivered us from this present evil age. He's delivered us. To Him be glory forever and ever. Look at Colossians 1 and verse 13. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light and has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Praise God. We have a message that will work and that will transform lives. There's nobody so far in, uh, away from God, nobody so deep in sin, nobody whose life is such a wreck that the gospel of Jesus Christ can't transform them and they can become a child of God. God's truth has worked for me and I can share it with confidence. We have a message that really works. Then look in verse 7. I love this verse. We have this treasure. What treasure is that? Well, I think it's everything that's come in those verses before that. The gospel message, Christ himself, uh, God's mercy, God's truth, all the things that we have in Christ. uh, But all of that is in earthen vessels. Now, we spent three years living in a small village in Mexico, our first term there. Uh, Dirt streets, uh, electricity most of the time, water some of the time, uh, very primitive. uh, And and many of the people in our ministry lived out in, in little bamboo huts with a dirt floor and cooked over an open fire. And they would invite us to eat, and they would cook in clay pots. Now, Peggy has stainless steel utensils and Teflon-coated pans and all the cooking utensils in our kitchen. But these folks had a little fire with, with wood in the middle of their house there or just outside the door. And they, they had a clay pot that would be blackened on the outside and not pretty and not fancy at all but they could prepare some wonderful food in that plain, ordinary clay pot. You know, and God tells us that the treasure we have in Jesus Christ, it's his plan that we would have that in vessels that are plain and ordinary. Not special, not valuable, not strong, uh, but earthen vessels. Why? So that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We don't have to be discouraged because we have a power from God to live the Christian life, to do His work and to accomplish His will in our lives. God doesn't need our abilities. He doesn't need our strength. He just needs plain vessels which are available at His disposal to accomplish His work.
Remember this text in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul talks about all the things that he had suffered? But he said, God has reminded me that His grace is sufficient. That His strength is enabled to, go, to work to completion through our weaknesses. So he said, so I'll, I'll gladly accept this weakness that I see in my own life so that I can experience the power of God at work in and through me. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution and distress. For when I am weak, that's when I am strong. We get discouraged when we sense our own weaknesses. And the older I get, the more I sense my weakness. Uh, when, we, when we think we are strong, as a matter of fact, the scripture warns us, when you think you're strong, that's when you'll get tripped up. But when we recognize our own weaknesses and we depend on God's power, then God is able to be at work through us. Love this passage in Ephesians. That we may know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. The power that was at work when the, the, the Savior rose from the dead. It powerfully works in us. And I love that last verse in Colossians chapter 1 where it says, because of God's power, I, I am encouraged to keep going because God's power dynamically energizes me. And Ephesians 3, of course, says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the riches in glory and the power that works in us. We move down toward the end of the chapter and we see a truth that is so important in verse 17. Verse 16 says, We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Did you see that? It's working for us. We get discouraged by the circumstances of our life, and yet God says, I just want you to know that this is working for you. We feel like things are working against us. But listen, God says, I'm in control. I'm in charge. Things around us appear to be out of control. I almost quit watching the news anymore because it either makes me angry or it makes me depressed, one of the two. I don't, I don't care much about knowing everything that people are saying and everything that's going on and who's attacking who and who's saying what about somebody else. Things are out of control in our world and we feel that way in our lives personally many times. But what gives us hope and encouragement is the fact that God is in control all of these circumstances, all of these things in my life, all of these people around me, God is in charge. God is in control at all times and in all places. Ephesians 1 says that we have a God who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Did you catch that? He works 
all things according to the counsel of his own will. And of course we remember this verse in Romans 8.28 that says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's not just that, well, you know, we'll put up with this somehow, some good might come of it. No, God just says, I'm at work. I'm at work here. As someone said, when difficult things come into our life, what we need to remember is that God is up to something and it's going to be good. We don't always think that way, do we? Look with me in Hebrews chapter 12. I love this passage. We were here in Sunday school, and I quoted the first couple verses here a little while ago, but look farther down in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 7 talks about enduring chastening where God deals with us as his sons. And verse 9 says, we had human fathers who corrected us. Well, at least most of us did. We had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect, at least some of the time we did. Uh, They indeed, verse 10, for a few days, in other words, it was just a, a few years that it was their time to be disciplining us and correcting us and guiding us. For a few days they chastened us as seemed best to them. Young people, be patient with mom and dad. They have a tough job to do. And they've just been learning and growing and figuring out how to do this. About the time the kids are grown, you sort of get a handle on how how this works. Uh, But they're doing the best that they can. And and that's sort of what it means here. We had earthly fathers that disciplined us and guided us and correct us. And they did it the best they could. They were trying to figure out how this works and what do we need to do and how are we going to handle these kids. And they did the best they could. And so we end up at least... I hope later on in life saying, yeah, I appreciate what mom and dad did. They, they did the best they could. I wasn't easy to handle, I'm sure. But comparing God to our earthly fathers, it says, our, our earthly fathers chastened us as, as it seemed best to them. But when God works at molding and forming our lives, he always does it for our profit. Did you see that? When God is at work in our lives, it's always the right thing at the right time in the right way. He knows how to guide us. He knows how to move us forward to what he wants us to be. So even though these difficult circumstances don't make us happy, they don't seem to be joyful, but we understand that God is up to something and it's going to work for our good. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's why we come to James, where it says, uh, the trying of your faith will produce endurance, but you got to let it work. you got to let it work. And we shortcut when God is doing, when we get angry, when we stomp off, when we get depressed and saying, I don't want any of this, we've got to let it work. And it'll take wisdom from God for us to do that. God is at work in our life. Counted, so count it all joy when difficulties come into our life. Why? Because we have a sovereign God who is in control <coughs> and who is working 
for our glory. I love this when it says our light affliction and many of the problems in our life don't seem like they're light, do they? Which is but for a moment. And a lot of our trials don't seem like they're just for a moment either. But hang on to this truth. They're working for us. Something that is far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God is sovereign in our lives. And then the passage winds up with this in verse 18. Verse 16 says, We don't lose heart because though our outward man is tired and discouraged and perishing, our inward man can be renewed day by day. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We can have an eternal focus and realize that this life is not everything. The Bible tells us to not be focused on the things that we can store up in this life. Now, I don't mind having things. We moved from Kansas City to Texas four years ago. After 12 years, that's the longest we've lived in any one place in our life. We came back from Mexico with what had fit in our Venture minivan. But over 12 years, we filled up a 26-foot Penske truck, and that was after we had a garage sale and gave away a whole bunch of stuff. So I, I don't mind having things, but that can't be our focus. The things that we have in this life, our family, our comfortable uh, home, our friends, the wonderful fellowship that we have in church, all of these things in this life can be a blessing to us, but that can't be our only focus. Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth because they will get away from you. They'll fail you. But lay up treasure in heaven, intangible things that are eternal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In 1 John, the Bible tells us, don't love this world system. It's not talking about the planet and the climate and the the things that we have. It's talking about the way the world looks at things, the way the world sees things, how they think about things. Don't fall in, don't be enamored with that. Because it will take your focus and your love away from our Heavenly Father. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this isn't of the Father, this is of the world. This will pass away, and the lust thereof, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. We can focus on eternity when we're discouraged. We do not lose heart, even though our outward man may be perishing, but our inward man can be renewed day by day. We have a truth from God revealed where we can know Him and know His truth. And God reveals Himself as a God who is sovereign, who is in control of all things. Nothing is out of His control. And God has made provision not only for our redemption in Jesus Christ, 
But He's made provision in Christ for all that we need in this life and all that we need in the next. God has made provisions for all my needs. And by His mercy, He's made His power available for me, for all my needs, each day. So when discouragement comes knocking at my door, I need to focus on God's truth. I need to remember who He is. I need to keep an eternal perspective, keep my focus on Jesus Christ. All this is available to the one who will receive Jesus Christ as His Savior. If you're not born again, discouragement will no doubt be more difficult for you to overcome in your life. But we invite you to come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and find hope in Him and help for your needs day by day. I will never overcome discouragement while I'm focused on myself, on my circumstances, on the world around me, or even on other people, because they're just as human and frail as I am. But by the Spirit of God, I turn my eyes to my loving Heavenly Father and to His Son, my Savior. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When I look to Jesus, the discouragement melts away, and day by day my inward man can be encouraged and strengthened and renewed. I trust that you'll look to Jesus today in times of discouragement. Father, we thank you for your truth that is revealed to us. Thank you that you are in control and at work in our lives. God, help us to be thankful for your mercy, to remember your truth, to appreciate the fact that the gospel has transformed our lives. And help us, God, in our weakness to recognize your strength, to have an eternal focus in our lives and to look to Jesus. We pray that you would encourage each one who's here today as they look to Jesus Christ. So it's in his name we pray. Amen.